Shop and Maniacs. You are listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave. Uh, um, I was going to say Eater <laughs> Rupert with Miss Chris Box Coyer. Hey, Chris, how are you doing today? <laughs> Block Editor Coyer. Uh, oh, yeah. I am all good. We are going to end up talking journalism and building tools for journalists and i don't know cms's and the news and whatnot because we have a very special guest on Kristen valentine how are you thanks for joining Hi, us i'm good we can also talk about quill i know that's been mentioned on the show before oh yeah <laughs> there's there's um i feel like in the discord the shop talk do you cheer in the discord uh there's like a every like six weeks somebody's like I need help. What what WYSIWYG do I use? Right? Like yes. it's like it's a and and you have opinions, so I think that helps in this conversation. <laughs> I have opinions, they might be spicy, we'll see. Good, good. Yeah, about like let's say you're gonna build an app, right? And it has a thing that you need to write text in the app and obviously a uh, text area is the the web's answer to that, which is not very good. If you want to do something like make a word bold or have a <laughs> header or insert a link or do literally anything that has to do with content production, which comes up apparently every day in the, in the world of building websites. So yeah, yeah, it used to we used to talk about this more on the show. Maybe it was like early Luro days, Dave, when. You're trying to figure out which one you're going to use. I tried out five. And like, wow. I mean, like it's, you know, you start with, I, I forget what would be like the first one. I, it might've been Quill actually. It was like where I started, mm. but then it's like, you need, you need one feature. You need an imagey thing or you need a link or tables or that's, I think tables was what broke me. Um, and, oh. then, and then I try all these other things like, you know, I'm like trying this one from Facebook It's written in react, but maybe I could like port it to view. I don't know. But like, is it like going to meet the knees, you know, or is it installable mm. and generic enough? But, and then you're like, uh, you're, you're, I, I just feel like you, you run the whole gamut of all these things we ended up settling on tip tap, which is great, but you know, you get on the marketing site. And it didn't pass the smell test from my coworkers because the marketing side is all about, oh, it's like concurrent editing, a bunch of people editing the same document all at once, you know, GraphQL, you know, <laughs> and it's just mm. like, no, no, like we just need one person <laughs> writing in a chat box or a text box. And so like, and then you, you get drunk, you say, I'm going to write it in, uh, content editable, you know, it, like you just Oof. delude yourself and then you're like, and then you go to the full other spectrum. You're like, maybe FKC editor is the right choice. <laughs> so, anyway, how do you choose a uh, WYSIWYG, Kristen? What, what's the well, proper? Especially for for <laughs> uh, for a, a thing that you expect. I don't know newsrooms full of edit people to use, right? This is like a big choice for y'all. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't on the team when that when that choice was originally made, but you know we do have to do all that stuff. We have to have concurrent editors and autosave and all those other features that make it infinitely more complicated. And, you know, we also support editorial workflows, which also increases complexity. But, you know, so for us, you know, an editor that just outputs HTML won't really cut it. So we need something that does like editorial or operational transforms and stuff like that. Um, 
So that's, you know, that cuts out quite a few editors right there. And then because we're not really like a website builder, like a WordPress, it's, you know, we allow them to put some amount of like special blocks, like tables and stuff, but the, all the editing for tables is completely outside of the actual like Quill instance. Cause like, like you found out, it can be really complicated to put some of those like really special UIs because Quill has such a specific opinion about the document itself and it doesn't allow extra HTML in there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, you know, whether we will always stick with Quill, I couldn't really say, but I think for us it works pretty well, especially with like the multi-user editing piece because it does a really good job of like merging, merging conflicts together. And we also support like version history. So it's, yeah, it's Ooh, a whole thing. That's a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a non-trivial addition to. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Like let's 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 set the stage. So you're at Vox, right? You work yeah. on Chorus. Is that the name of the CMS? The custom behind the scenes CMS that powers like all of Vox powers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Eater, Vox, The Verge, that's Polygon. Right. The other ones, sport one, sport <laughs> SB Nation, right? Sport Ball Nation, There's probably yeah. like a movie one. Sport Ball Nation. Uh, it, yeah. it does all the so like wh- how many people are like can you ballpark like is it tens of authors editors a week or is it hundreds or is it thousand? Is it? Yeah, I mean, it's probably closer to a thousand because we have like SB Nation is giant and there's just a ton of like freelance editors and writers. There's just a ton of people just on that side alone. Mm -hmm. So they're not heavy users, but they are they are there. And, you know, some of our Verge authors, I mean, they're in there all day long. Um, So it's it's it runs the gamut from people sort of like casually in there quickly to people like heavy heavy use. So that's another tricky thing about working on it. Um, I will say, you know, we've gone through a number of like mergers and acquisitions over the last few years. So we have now New York Media, as well as G9, which they have like the Dodo and a bunch of other gigantic sites. And they all have their own custom CMSs too. Oh, (laughs) neat. So you get a paratroop into a different world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. And, and then is the goal like, um, you know, whatever, I get it. Acquisitions happen. It makes sense that they weren't using our CMS pre-acquisition, but it sure would be nice if they would. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think when New York came on, we had an idea about like merging everything together. And then, you know, G9 came on. I think there was a little bit of a reevaluation of like, you know, New York has a totally different opinion about how websites should work, and we can't just keep merging everything together. So we're kind of in a place where we want the services to be able to sort of talk to each other, but we don't necessarily want everyone on the same CMS. Mm. New, York, New York is much more design-focused, um, and they're they're a little bit more of a builder tool than ours is. So think I think we've come to the conclusion that like different people want different things um, and it's just too impossible to like make everyone do the same thing I've, yeah interesting yeah I've seen like a lot of I don't know are you here I think time too right like it, it's uh, over time does something become like a major burden to maintain you know we, we 
talk with a lot of companies who we're kind of more in the design system space, but it's like, you know, I don't have one design system. I have five completely different design systems from every brand we've acquired in the last 10 years. And, and it's just wild, you know? So, um, and sometimes the work is normalizing it, but sometimes the work is how do I just let them be weird, you know, and not lose our mind. So, yeah. It's very tricky balance. Yeah. I wish I was privy to the conversations of of, of post CSS Strix acquisition, but I, I wasn't really. But I I did know, you know because I contracted a little while post acquisition that they definitely had a goal of replatforming the thing. And in my own brain, I was like, "I oh, man, that's just gonna suck for you." you know, this is an <laughs> ancient WordPress site with all kinds of little bespoke stuff that it does, and I just don't—I don't know. I mean, good luck, I guess. But I was hesitant to say that it's a bad idea because if it's the one little weird black sheep outlier of your everything you own, that can be problematic too. That you know, why you have to keep around some WordPress expert when you have no none of else of those on your team? You know, that would be surprising to me. Being a hosting company, you'd think there's probably tons of WordPress on your platform, and probably doesn't hurt to have some expertise in that on your team. But that aside, you know, it was interesting to see the immediate push to get to get off the CMS, and I didn't get to hear the conversations of like. Ooh. Is that a smart idea or not? You know, like, and it sounds like, you know, it, were, it was the New York in this metaphor, you know, like, just let it be weird. Yeah. Do, uh, I guess, why, why does Vox need chorus? Why not just spin up a WordPress multi-site? I mean, that's good enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's always the like, buy it or build it question. I think for us, like, at least at the time when we built Chorus, we really wanted something focused and had all those like editorial steps and workflows and something like WordPress just didn't quite have it. I mean, I've only been at the company for almost four years, so mm -hmm. I wasn't part of those early conversations. But I think part of it is like we have like, for instance, SB Nation just have, has like hundreds of communities and managing all of those communities is tough. I mean... I've tried to run a multi-site word. I haven't touched WordPress in years, but like running many, many sites on a WordPress instance can get pretty hairy also. Um, yeah, I don't know what all, if they looked at all kinds of CMSs in the very beginning, but the very, very original, SB Nation was like the very beginning of Vox Media. And that was a, and still is, a gigantic Rails app, custom Rails app. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So the, current version that we have of Chorus was came much later because it all used to be a Rails app. And Chorus, like the edit, editorial tool that I work on now, that's like what the, what, what the writers see is, uh, it is a Ractive app, which is a old JavaScript framework that no one uses anymore oh. that we are rewriting in Vue. Um, but the original version of that is only... I think like five or six years old. Oh, wow. Reactive? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that word before. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it's going to be in view. Uh, 
I think uh, I, if I recall, I think feel like Scott Kellum used to work on chorus, and Mandy Brown I think was involved at one point too. But um, but it's just out. It's just very interesting. I, I like the build it buy it thing. You know, like if you're in the business of publishing, you should own your publishing tools, right? Like that should yeah. be like a core piece of it. Yeah, you know? I think Fox um, is plenty big enough to have their own CMS and have that not be a questionable choice. In fact, it, but it, it, there was another twist to it though, and right? I mean, that they're like, if we're going to build this thing, maybe we'll sell it too. And then he did for a while. He did. Actually, that's why I was brought on to the team originally was I worked on the SaaS business. Um, uh. Yeah, I spent most of my career in design agency land and contracting land. So yeah, I was brought on on the SaaS business and worked on basically like working on the front end of like this old house ran no longer. Uh, they don't Whoa. anymore, but they ran on chorus. Yeah, which was Dream like a weird, <laughs> weird choice. Bob Vila? Is that the Bob Vila? Yeah. Do you uh, know Bob Vila? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, um, damn it. Yeah, it was, uh, but yeah, most of the customers are uh, actual like media companies or nonprofits. It ended up not being a great fit for us. Um, there's a lot of support and stuff that goes on, obviously, in any SaaS business, as you're well aware. Mm. And I don't, I think that we just decided it wasn't quite what we thought it was going to be. And our, honestly, course just originally was not set up to support like, any design system ever. Mm. Um, so I think they just decided it was, it costs too much for us to make it happen. But we got a lot of great things out of it, which was like building our own internal API that made things like the new Verge redesign possible. So, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's probably a good segue. You worked on the Verge redesign. I did. I, I guess, I don't know. I've used, I've been a reader of the Verge for very many years as my, uh, as my feed bin likes will attest. Um, <laughs> but this is kind of a big reason. Like it was a little bit like, let's just uh, wipe it out and redo it. Right. Like it was kind of a big one. huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a totally new technology on the front end. Um, obviously I worked on the tooling side of it, but the front end basically went from rails app to next JS app. So it was a pretty big deal for us. Yeah. Yeah, and eventually we will, all of the sites that are on Chorus will eventually be on that platform. Um, mm. Yeah, there are a lot of exciting ideas around that, like this concept of quick posts, which is those short, and it's essentially tweeting They're to great. the homepage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a good <laughs> idea. Tweeting to the homepage. I, I actually wish more people did that. Like, I don't know. Right. Like the New York Times. <laughs> It's just, it's like, it's like you got to pay big, like $50 a month for it. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm going to support journalism. I'm totally doing that. And then they just, the articles are like 70 pages long. And it's like, there's a little village in Eastern Australia that uh, blah, blah, you know, and it's like about climate change. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> show me a chart and a graph about fire or something. That's what I actually want. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the idea, I mean, part of the idea around that was they are very active in our Slack. And they're like, you know, we wish people could like see all of these posts that, you know, like links that we post and this chatter. Like we think it's interesting. 
It's like, what if we could put this on our website? And that was, I think, a lot of the seeds of the idea for that was like, we have interesting discussions, but it's not a story. There's no story to write about this. It's just an interesting thing that we think we want to share with our readers. Yeah. And can those two things live side by side? And the, the design kind of proves, yeah, totally. They are interesting. I'm a big fan. It was it was so shocking when it came out. It just certainly, uh, I don't know, had people talking anyway, for better or worse. You know, I'm sure people found stuff to hate about it immediately. Interesting that what was it feels like a while ago now, at least many months ago, and it's um, not different. <laughs> so you certainly didn't uh, back back down from it or anything. Well, there were yeah. tweaks here and there to make it more readable or just things like that. But yeah. Oh, that's great. I think it's interesting. So I, I do have a question. Hopefully we're not treading into hot drama territory. Uh, but I know like Jesenia Perez-Cruz worked a lot on like um, kind of design systems for Vox at large, kind of, you know, it's in her a book apart book and stuff like that. And this seemed like a divergence from maybe the existing <laughs> setup. Is, is it very different code wise? Or it's like, like an ejection from the design system basically. And then, um, or is it, are you worried about that or thinking about that at, at all from a, I think for quite a while we've been rethinking the design system in a sense, we kind of have multiple design systems. We have ours like internally and externally. And I think as we've wanted to rebuild the front end, we thought a lot about how can the sites share a design system, but also have a very different feel mm -hmm. and then like starting over in a new technology. I mean, for a while we were actually working on something else that ended up getting shelved. That was sort of like a design system builder, like very meta yeah. <laughs> design system. Um, yeah. So I, there's been a lot of different thought around this. So I, yeah, we've kind of moved in a different direction, but I think the overall, like, we still want some amount of like similarity. I mean, they're all going to share components. They're all going to share, you know, a lot of the same. A lot of them are articles, lists, feed lists, right? Those are similar. Yeah. Fancy I blog. Guess. Fancy blog. Fancy blog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if they're two the same, it's a little boring, right? Or something. Yeah. Well, they all have different editorial goals and ideas so like how can we make something that is maintainable for our small teams and you know like i think that's another it's not like every single site has their own like designer and team and to like build everything bespoke so it's like how do you give people bespoke things without making it impossible to manage well and uh, you know there's stuff like review card right like the ver new Verge one is very different. It probably looks as, you know, it, but the data is maybe the same as what's on an Eater card. And and you're in the CMS, you probably could tell me exactly. It's exactly the same data. But like so much of design systems, we talk about the visual, like, oh yeah, look, it's like changes the looks, right? But maybe the story is actually, no, now we just call it the same thing <laughs> and it's the same thing in the database now. And that's really the power from the design system. Like that was what, I don't know, has that been your experience? It's kind of like now the data is better or now the, um, what, I guess, I guess what problems do you sort of anticipate kind of going forward now that you've like 
ejected from the design system. Is there anything you're worried about or is it like, I don't know. I think our approach, I mean, it's, it's the best we can do. It, it, I think it can be a little tricky when you're doing one site at a time over a long period of time. So it's like you build a design system that you think is going to scale with additional sites, but you only have one site. So now we're working on what does it look like to have this system with Polygon mm-hmm. and The Verge both sharing it. It's you know that's the moment when you start to find all the things that like Don't are really work. bespoke to The Verge, and you're going to have to abstract that out. I think that is the tricky part. But maybe that makes sense because Verge and Polygon are similar. You know, even some articles get cross posted or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a similar. DNA. It's not totally different, but yeah, we'll see what it's like when we bring Eater Maps onto onto it. <laughs> see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not too much part of the audience experience anymore, since I work so much in the CMS. But yeah, the only thing we built special for that site was Quick Post. Everything else is the same data wise and CMS wise. Hmm. Very neat. So you're saying there is a moment where, like, bef- like the article gets written and then it gets plucked out of chorus and put somewhere else for final touches and stuff before publishing or no it Mm-mm. just gets it gets no. published right from chorus right yeah yeah okay yeah fair enough so if if chorus can't do something it's not going in the article yeah we do have uh, another tool called the custom story kit So if they really want something extra, super fancy that we just can't support, then they can basically almost like make a little mini website and post it using the tooling. Oh. Yeah. So it's basically like a middleman site that pulls the data in from Chorus. And they've, you know, obviously that's like a much bigger lift um, but if they want, if they want it, they can go whole hog on a totally custom story, and often it's like a package of stories together. Mm, the old like the snowfall thing or whatever. Yeah, right? that's I what I was gonna say. It's very snowfall. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everyone loves snowfall. Everybody, everybody loves it. We tried to get the snowfall people on. Yeah. Because there was like an anniversary, but it didn't work out. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by Front End Masters. There are so many courses on here, the highest possible quality courses, you know, almost focused on like you're maybe you're already a front end developer and you need to like learn a new technology or really level up. You definitely can be a beginner, too. So, you know, think of that. But, you know, I think a lot of people that listen to this show are kind of in that intermediate zone. This is the place for leveling up and learning new technology. We got courses on here about Next.js with Scott Moss. We got you know, Ben Hong on here, Brian Holt, Kent C. Dodds, you know, Sarah Drasner's on here. Nobody I'd trust more than Jen Kramer to teach intermediate HTML and CSS. Just amazing. The best of the best. And Dave. Hey, I got a web components <laughs> course up there. I don't know how I slipped in, but I did. And it, let me tell you, it's going to teach you web components. And uh, so, yeah, if you're interested in that, I think I feel like they're a hot topic this year. So people should go sign up and, and watch it. Yeah, Dave, you're, you're early to the game as usual. You know what's you know what's going to be big. I, I use my code smeller and I smelled out the next big, big one, baby. Yeah, dude, web components are not going anywhere and you might as well learn them now. Check it out at Front End Masters dot com. 
so there occasionally like Virgil do like themes, right? Like I'm trying to think of the last one I really dove into. Um, I feel like it's like sort of end of year, like just themes about different areas that sectors of technology and stuff like that. Am I describing that? Do you have a name for that? <laughs> is it not really, it, but they're, they're kind of a little bit art directed. They're a little bit similar in vibe and tone and, and um, like, do, is there anything special y'all do for that? Like art directing posts on the verge or is that something you kind of had to move away from? We have quite a few options for them to like change their headers. And then like, if there's a bunch of themed stories, they can create packages. So there'll be like kind of a home page of the package with like a big splashy header and then all the stories get sort of bundled together. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. that might be what you're talking about. I so think that's like, exactly what I'm talking about. Like how do, how do you build a packet? Like what, what do you do there? What you just make a custom code, a homepage. They're all very different. I feel like. Yeah. There's a, so there's like a story type called a package that has totally different like metadata fields on it. And then you attach the stories to it and then they can go in and totally change the header of the story. There is an ability to add custom SAS to any story as much as you try to build the perfect design system. So always someone always wants special CSS for everything. Right. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. That got a little bit trickier with, uh, using Next.js and the structure, like the HTML structure totally changed. So that was that was a little bit tricky, but they can go in and make little like special customizations to things if they want. Yeah, I guess that CSS stuff works if you don't change the HTML. Yeah. So, and yeah. then when you do that, now it's pain town. Yeah, there's always the big warning. Things could change at any moment. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I don't change my code that often, but even like old art directed posts are just crumbling. I mean, like it's just yeah. I'm like how did how did I mess that up so bad? But I'm pretty oh dude pretty like think about it. I'm I like think ahead. You know, I architect and then it's still it's just like cool. No background colors. It's like how did I mess up background colors? I don't know. That's a tough one. So, so the the verge is next and you know you had it your way you'd make a, it worked out well enough that you'd make all the sites use that same approach mm-hmm. i think is what i heard that's kind of cool so and it, does that mean that chorus is kind of a headless cms or supports that too is is it is the next site like just hitting an api to get the stories that it needs to get internally it is yeah, yeah. so when we we're running the SaaS business. That is what it is, is a, is a headless CMS. Um, not not all of the sites, but that was the end goal was to be a headless CMS. Um, anything that's still, I mean, most of the sites are still on the Rails app, so that isn't headless, but the Next.js app is, and any future sites as we move forward will be. Um, uh, the Chorus API essentially came out of that whole process of the SaaS business. I mean, similarly, like this actual story editor is its own app that is just like almost like a headless editor in a way that we also interact with the CMS, with the uh, API. Um, And we also directly make REST requests as well. But um, yeah, it's all, it's all, you know, the end goal is to be all APIs. And then you mentioned just because it just stuck out to me that Chorus I guess as you continue to work on it, has that weird old 
JavaScript framework that I hadn't heard of, but yeah. now is going to be Vue, mm-hmm. whereas these front ends are going to be React. That just seems interesting that they're, they're just like enough different teams with enough different leadership and stuff that, it, it, or, or is there something about the technologies that makes them better fits or is it just like these teams like them better? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, that's all right. There's, yeah. there's, there's some, there's some history there. Um, there's some back and forth. I think at this moment, there's only a couple of view apps. Uh, I think our, uh, revenue teams all ended up moving to React as well. So we have some like revenue products, like concert, like ad products as well. And those all use React now. I think there was some discussion years ago that there was some concern because they were originally on Vue that like, are we going to be able to hire Vue developers for these? Like, do we need to go mm-hmm. to React? Because there's just more people using React. Um, so they went that direction. We stayed on Vue. Um there are enough teams to to handle it though, so not so much on the rack, not so much on reactive. <laughs> oh yeah, right, right. You should watch the the you know the React documentary because they weren't using reactive, but they you know it goes all into the Facebook having some weird internal JavaScript framework that you know they were already kind of using in production and and then having React you know, threaten it essentially, even though that was an internal project too. So it was kind of a different conversation than y'all had, but they had to, you know, they had to, they had to choose to sunset their, their weird language, which is probably the right choice. Yeah. Um, And so was the move to next, like you said, it kind of had to, you had to change some stuff, but like that headless API is basically what's making that work. And, and are, are all these pages like there's 15 billion verge articles. Are they all statically generated? Or are they on demand kind of sort of situation? Yeah. Yeah. Everything is very heavily cached. I mean, it's kind of that, like if no one's hit it, then it has to be generated and then it's generated. And then there's like infinite levels of caching coming out there. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't pretend to understand all of the caching layers involved in that, but there are many. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's fast. Yeah, that's I'm I'm clicking around. I just was like, oh, there it goes, there it goes. You know, like there's no, it doesn't seem to be waiting on a response. So that's pretty impressive. So, so what's day to day like? You know, if you're if you're heavily involved in this, you know, chorus team, obviously you are. Is, is it like we have a vision for you know chorus five or whatever it's going to be, and we're just gonna pluck away at it until it's ready and it's driven now it's driven entirely by internal choices right it's because you you don't need there's no there's no customers of chorus left anymore to to placate right so if there's some need of chorus it's it's serving vox specifically yeah we do still have some SaaS customers on it but yeah at this point we're all in on on serving our editorial internal users. I mean, it's, we're in kind of a, well, it's kind of a long haul rewrite of everything. So Mm -hmm. like, not only are we moving all the front ends to next, we're also, like I said, moving the chorus to view. So it's kind of like the eternal slow rewrite, (laughs) right? So familiar. 
Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Quill at the beginning because I'm kind of like arms deep in rewriting the core editor. Whoa. Um, which is a challenge. Yeah. The core so, editor. So it's, but, but going from Quill to Quill or, or. Yes, it's changing. So I don't want to get too deep into this because I'll start ranting about yes, weird. Yes, <laughs> yes, let's go. Esoteric. Esoteric, weird content editable problems. Um, yeah, we originally, when we implemented this, because we have, like I said, you can insert like blocks and stuff, like tables and sidebars and whatever. Um, the HTML that Quill has in it to show the user what they're typing, you know, is very like specific. So essentially we're just like passing all that stuff that they see, the little like, square with the like this is your table data that's actually an iframe because like we need to sort of have a a block a chunk of html in quill that we tell quill we don't actually want we don't actually want to save that html that's just for showing the user what where the table is in the actual editor it's very this is why i don't want to go too deep into it. it's very hard to explain um, you have kind of like the document itself, right? Which is essentially like a bunch of operational transforms. It's JSON. It's just like structured data that gets transformed into the HTML that the user sees in the actual editor, right? Okay. So anything that's not text, we sort of used iframes to show it because it's like a little context that like the content editable div doesn't have to care about. Mm. The problem with that is sometimes our we'll have articles that'll be like 100 Christmas gifts, you know, like year-end mm. gift guides that are like hundreds. There ends up being hundreds of iframes in, on this page. Okay. I, I could see how that is problematic a little it bit. Is, yeah. yeah. It starts to slow down rendering quite a bit. So mm. I'm in the trying to figure out how to... Quill has this idea of embeds, mm -hmm. um, which is sort of similar. It's like, we're going to insert a bunch of HTML and don't put this in the document. It's just for the person to see when they're looking at the editor. But putting a bunch of HTML into a content editable div that is not content editable <laughs> is nightmare town. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So it's... Oh, that, wow. that is a div you're putting in the big content editable div, but you do yeah. not want people to edit that div. So now yes. it's, yeah, problem. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they edit, they actually edit the actual data in like a sidebar outside of Quill and it all gets like inserted just for visual purposes. Now trying to deal with the browsers all like to put cursors in different places when you do this. Mm-hmm. And you can't just like hack some white space because Quill doesn't like random HTML being put into it. So it has been absolute nightmare town trying to figure out how to do this in a like make this work consistently across all browsers because content editable is it's a challenge. Mm, okay. Yeah, I have never even thought about content editable the nest the nestability of it. Can you make a sub element not content editable is that that's an acceptable yeah. scenario and the browser respects it it does yeah oh, yeah gosh. but it seems like it treats it slightly differently you can sort of control where a user's cursor goes right 
Like if you click on something, you can make the text expand, like the selection expand, let's say. For mm -hmm. instance, when you like have a copy paste field, you can have them select all that text. The selection API is not challenging. Let's just say that. Yeah. yeah. I know that it exists, but I've never had to like really wrestle with it for something yeah. and it does seem a little scary <laughs> i was trying to use it for something like highlighting i guess or something. like i just wanted to like high like make a highlighter or something like that and man it's so weird because it's just like cool range you know you get into this whole range object in javascript and it's just like i don't know what this is <laughs> like is it talking like and then like it's like just put a number in here that's the start number and that's the end number and then but you're like but there's html in there where does the what is the range if there's an anchor link selected? You know, I, I just, it it's hard is what I want to say. You know, it's not as simple, yeah. you know. I imagine there's a little console.logging involved there. Oh, yeah. See what you get. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've gone down absolutely wild routes, like making them all web components. Yeah. Apparently, like, if you make the slot in a web component isn't supposed to maybe be a content editable and then Firefox it isn't but in Chrome it is but only sort of you can it's just wow. like, yeah. not that yeah. I'm advocating for this necessarily but this is a tool for internal usage of yeah. your team so is there a, a theoretical world in which you tell the people who write for your company can you please use whatever browser Short turns out to be the best one where Sure, no, like all y'all all using Chrome. Sorry, you know. Yeah, is that no? Probably uh, not. No, I. I mean, <laughs> they mostly use Chrome, so I guess there's that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the end solution. I'm still working through this thing. Yeah, or like, or like you wrap it up in a in a electron. Uh, yeah, an electron. I'd be like, double click this app. This is now how you write you're for using us. Chrome. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, that's not a good path forward for web stuff generally, but it, it does seem like you can only bang your head so long and, and you're in this unique position where, you know, the rest of your websites, you know, the whole world reads them. That's, you know, that's journalism and stuff. Of course, you have to support all browsers, but internal tools sometimes... Yeah. Yeah, get some leeway. Okay, so so and then and then so you 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 fight with Quill and Quill, and you know it it reminds me of every time I ever was like, oh, why is WordPress doing this one weird thing? I would get you know the reply guy would be like, have you looked at Ghost or you know or something? And be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm gonna switch my whole CMS because I had one little problem, you know. But how many problems? Until you, you do start thinking about, you know, like, oh, maybe tip tap does look kind of good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say I haven't thought about changing the <laughs> quill to something else. I think one thing that's tricky is like all of our millions of records are using the structure that is that quill uses. So yeah, right. changing, do we have to change the version history of every? story ever you know once once we start getting to the scale it's really a big challenge to change the data structure you know like our versions the just the versions alone is millions of I records can't imagine yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 oh man and you'd have to find one that that is also 
real time, whatever. I think of prose mirror because we use code yeah. mirror at, at CodePen that the new the new code mirror is very, you know, it's theoretically collaboration friendly and, um, and you know, it's kind of BYO, your own real time technology, but I think does kind of has opinions about I, I think OTs is what it wants you to use or that's what the examples are built in. But and then this prose mirror product is built with the same type of spirit you know but yeah switching is not <laughs> that would be a i don't know be a job you'd be like you know i think somebody else can worry about that <laughs> yeah iframes are great we love iframes we'll yeah. go back to that <laughs> well i was thinking too like i mean like then you have a conditional renderer in your template right you have like old post dot whatever erb or whatever and then you have like new post dot erb and now you're just in pain town because you know people won't understand why something doesn't work or ah. yeah that that's yeah i i mean i'm we chose tip tap and it's or sorry it is pros mirror based so but you know they give you like a little they give you a choice oh, you, know? you just mirror. want the like the html dump or do you want the like do you want the tip tap or sorry, the like block editor style where every field is this little JSON tree, you know, it's like element P, you know, content, you know, text, lorem ipsum. And it's a little, it's tough to be like, do I want just a chunk of HTML that people can edit? Or do I want this like JSON document where that I have to like now write all this logic to render that, you know, and it's, uh, you can, and you have to kind of pick your poison early in the product. You know, you can't really just be like, I'm going to do whatever. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can do like description underscore HTML, description underscore JSON the database. You could maybe save both, I guess, for a while and then transfer. But yeah, not fun. So. Yeah, this is by far the largest company I've ever worked for with the most visibility. So it's been quite interesting for me to experience some of these like giant scale problems. Yeah. Yeah. Like watching, I think the first time I opened our deploy dashboard to deploy something and be like, there are 90,000 active users. I'd be like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> please don't crash. Yeah. <laughs> when do you do you ever become desensitized to it where you're just like, who cares? They're just getting it. So uh I I think other people do. I don't. I sweat every time I deploy anything. Yeah. So. <laughs> Palm sweaty, mom spaghetti. Yeah. Full. yeah. Oh yeah. Now that I'm on the now that I'm in the CMS, I it's a little bit less concerning, but when I was deploying to the audience experience that was yeah one time i deployed something i i don't exactly remember the details but uh it took everything down mm. um but not immediately there was an hour of caching for most things for most people mm. so i had an you, hour you to go fix to it. lunch and then <laughs> yeah yeah like okay at the end of this hour this all of the sites will go down so you better fix it real fast <laughs> oh my gosh oh no yeah Countdown. it did get fixed yeah good <laughs> i think that i've never been so sweaty in my life <laughs> yeah how uh okay i have a question and so you work on the WYSIWYG editor for 
the view app in the, on the admin tooling of a large content site. Do you consider yourself front of the front or back of the front? Um, I would say I'm solidly middle front. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the middle front. of the front. Middle front. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question because I think when I joined, I was very front of the front. Um, not that I didn't have experience in the back of the front, but um, yeah, these days I'm mostly in in like solid like component land, not so much dealing with like CSS architecture, not so much dealing with a lot of those things. I mean, I still do some of it, but I'm... I spent so many years in the front of the front. I've been sort of more interested in the back of the front, even the back mm-hmm. part the, the full, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Back of the back. Back. Of- I think if you're concerning yourself with operational transforms, you're, that's, I guess that's by definition the middle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a way, our app is also kind of in the middle. So I think, yeah, yeah, that's like, where does the back start anymore? I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't even know anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah, you're very, the middle is probably the perfect description just because you're very, I don't know. Yeah. You're like, you're working very JavaScript app to make a very specific tool that, but that tool's job is to spit out the front, right? So you're very, you you can't just be normal JavaScript bro and just wipe, wash your hands of it and say, yeah, no big deal, whatever, it works. You, you have to care, right? Like, has to work. So We also have our own, like, the front end is all built using a shared web component library that we have. So most of our UI, like, drop downs and input fields are all uh, custom web components that we built. Uh, yeah, so that's that's an added slide. A lot of that stuff's sort of like ready to go, and I can just use our web components for that stuff. Kind of build out what you need. Yeah, yeah. That's, hmm, hmm. Now I have web component questions, but go ahead. <laughs> All right, so here, let's do, let's do a little like round, or, or a little roulette thing of like, can, can Quill do it? Or oh, can boy. your usage of Quill do it, right? Okay, so, um... H1 all the way to H6. I think we do H1 to H4. Yeah. I mean, it could. As like a, as like a con- aspect of control, like don't, don't use H5s. It's too yeah. far. Yeah, okay. basically. Okay. Um, a block of syntax highlighted code. We have a, n- there isn't like a code block, but there is an HTML block. Mm-hmm. So oh, okay. So you can't you put could. custom HTML in Quill, but you can put HTML in Quill. I could put a pre tag in. I feel like that counts. I feel like that counts. So, we yeah. have so you can't put random HTML into this into Quill itself, but we have our own custom block that you can put HTML into. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we save it, but what we render is that weird little iframe. <laughs> into Quill itself. <laughs> okay. And does like huh. Neelay Patel write his own uh, like custom HTML? Please say yes. He's my hero. <laughs> yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It's just like riffing. Love it. I'm, yeah. That's what I imagine. Anyway. 
Can you put an HR? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. What about a, like a swipeable image gallery? Is that just like a, a standard feature? It is. We have an image gallery. We also have like one of those like image tools where you put two images and you can like slide the slider back and forth to compare oh, the two images. Right. Because you might be reviewing a camera or whatever and it's, yeah. Uh, you got an image swiper too. Okay, cool. Let's say uh, um, you wanted to just just have two columns, just a paragraph on the left and a paragraph on the right. Let's see. We have, you can put, it's funny how this is like a hard question to answer. I don't think so. We can put images like that, images next to each other. We can align sidebars left and right. Maybe you could hack it to do it, but I'd, we don't really have like a columns or columns, no columns, yeah. not, not no. native. Okay. No. Like a, what about a button? Just like a link that's going to look like a button. No. No, no <laughs> buttons. This is all good. What about a bulleted list? Because I've never seen any big news publication <laughs> use a friggin' bulleted list. What? Yes, yes, you can put a bulleted list. <laughs> I've literally never seen one. What? Oh, I come feel on. like find one. Prove it, me wrong, <laughs> but like I've never seen a friggin' bullet. So well, someone, someone was just complaining that they couldn't put an end mark at the end of a bulleted list. So I know they use them. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. All right. Wow. You know, it's what's what I feel like is more like falls down is when you go one level deep with the bullets that the second level bullet is usually like maybe a little forgotten about and it, it ends up being the open circle, which I think is the default, you know, Nesting user style bullet. sheet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The nested bullet gets a little funky and it doesn't, it never has enough space between the list item above it and the new list below it. It's just easy to forget about. I'm sure Vox is all over it though. What if you needed to embed a Google map? Could, what would you have to do there? Oh, boy. Maps is a, probably a whole nother hour. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Part two, maps. Yeah, I mean, we have, like I said, we have Eater Maps. So maps yeah. are definitely part of the product, but you can't just like put a random map in the middle of a regular story. Oh, okay. Yeah. But what if you wanted to like embed a TikTok? We have embeds, yeah. So yeah. it would just, yeah, it would just take... Is it like O-Embed? Yeah. So we use uh, iFramely. So you can just like mm -hmm. put in like I see. You whatever just, You just leave the URL right there and it'll do its thing? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I see. I'm looking at an article for an a e-bike and it looks like you do asides in like a little oh. baby articles inside the article. Is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, nice. Yeah, those are Would side, side, sidebars. They can insert sidebars. Side yeah. Do they look like that in chorus though, or do they just look like a block and then the yeah? Is that what's like the what's the WYSIWYG scene? It's not really a WYSIWYG in the sense that it does not really look like what it's gonna look like in the audience experience. So they're all just kind of gray blocks. Mm. So you can see what you wrote, but it doesn't look like that exactly. That's kind of like a contention point, right? Like uh, we worked with some content folks um, for a big software company in uh, Redmond, Washington, and it was it was a con point of contention that they could not see the preview or the final product, you know, until it was done building. And it was, um, I think, though, over time, 
their imagination could start to do it, but they weren't willing to take that time. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's interesting, right? Cause I mean, people want it to look good or they have control in their Microsoft word or their notion or whatever, where they wrote it. And, uh, but the final product maybe looks different, right? So. Yeah, we have a like a preview screen they can go to, so they can definitely see what it looks like before they publish. Mm. But that's not in the editor itself. Okay, it's like so. We've actually like, yeah, we actually have a layout screen as well. So like, the the sort of quill editor that you type in doesn't do any layout anything except maybe right and left text. Mm-hmm, you go mm-hmm. to a totally separate screen that looks like a full real preview of the story where you can actually like right and left align images and group things together. So that's like a whole entirely different editing experience for them. But wow. that gives them a much better sense of like what it's actually going to look like when published. And it has like mobile preview as well and amp preview as well. Mm. Still doing amp, huh? Still. <laughs> Keeping the dream alive. Uh, well, <laughs> hopefully not for much longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you all you got strong armed into it, you know. I can't blame anybody. Fascinating. Because th- that is a, you know, it's a kind of a, a potential struggle of of you know, essentially static site generate t- type of tools plus headless CMSs is how do you do previews, you know, without maybe having to do a whole site build or or, or whatever. And looks like you've cracked it, or at least for y'all, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you definitely need to look at what a what a post looks like before you hit the button, you know. Oh yeah, especially if there's custom SAS in there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, SAS, you said too. So when you add special styles to it, it it's in SAS. Yeah, I think that might have changed when we moved to Next. The Verge right now has some of their own special preview stuff because they're different than everybody else. But yeah. On the Rails app, at least, yeah, we were compiling all of that into CSS so they could use variables and stuff if they wanted. Oh, right. Oh, fascinating. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. And, th- like, I guess people can, like, choose the template they want to show. Like, you probably have more than one article template, and they can kind of, that's, wow. Oh, I didn't even think about that. So sophisticated. Yeah. It's it's an onion. The layers just keep going <laughs> forever. That's great. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, hey, I do think we are at time, but this has been very educational for me. I I, I don't know. I just like working on a big CMS like this is something I've never done. And so it's very cool to like, I don't know, just hear how it works and what goes into it. So appreciate you coming on the show and talking about it. But for those who aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that? Uh, they can't really. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> they go read the verge. <laughs> go read the verge. There That's great. Easy. They have an RSS feed. It's about yep. forty articles a day. <laughs> so yep. Get ready. <laughs> Plug in. Get ready. All right. Well, thank you so much yeah, for thank coming. You. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks, dear listener, for downloading this in the podcatcher of your choice. Be sure to start your favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter or Mastodon at Shop Talk Show. And then if you're on Mastodon at front hyphen and uh, social. Gosh, it's got to work. <laughs> that, uh, my brain stops when I start saying that. Anyway, uh, and then join us over in the Discord, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Oh. <sighs> Shoptalkshow.com. Publish. 